wonderful, majestic world around us. It's time for Dear Science. Thanks to MOTAT, the museum inspiring the innovators of tomorrow. Alrighty, John. What have you got for us on Dear Science today? I have so much for you, and it's going to be all very, very exciting. But since this is my first show back from 2023, I just want to say... Hope everyone had a great holidays, and how about that 2022, huh? Yeah, there was a lot of science in 2022. <laughs> a lot of other stuff. There was all kinds of things. Mm. A lot to reflect on. I agree. I agree. But I trust that you have had a, a nice break, and now you're ready for 2023 in all the best possible ways. Yeah, we're feeling, we're feeling pretty fresh. We're feeling invigorated. And all Whoa. the listeners, uh, when they hear this, are tuned in to hear some science and learn some new stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, let's crack into it. And maybe some motivation for 2023 will be on some of the biggest science stories that we can recap from 2022. So let's start with the biggest story. And by biggest, I mean the biggest volcanic explosion in well over a hundred years, and that was the Tonga volcano. Hunga Tonga Hunga Hapai. And I believe we're we're just over the one year anniversary. Is that right? Correct. It um, the big explosion was on 15 January 2022. So we have just uh, been just over a year past that, and it is the largest volcano ever recorded by modern instruments, which sent a blast basically shockwaves all the way around the world. And scientists really didn't know the extent of just how massive the explosion was until they're actually able to study it months later. That's amazing. So do you think it was like bigger than the ancient eruption of Taupo, potentially? I would say it's the biggest one since Krakatoa in 1883. So, uh, I mean, Taupo has some pretty massive super volcano um, eruptions. So maybe not quite that big, but the biggest that we have seen in the recent future. And it was, it kind of challenged some of um, what we knew about these underground volcanoes because we had a blast that was heard like 10,000 kilometers away in Alaska and it sent ash into the atmosphere all the way into the mesosphere. So it went a through the stratosphere where we have that ozone layer, just blew way past that into the next level of the atmosphere. And in fact, some of the water vapor actually made its way into space, left the atmosphere completely. Wow. Okay, that's fun, but not fun. But also a good fact. <laughs> so yeah, there, there are so many facts with this volcano that we're just actually starting to like report. So here's a fun one. There were over 400,000 lightning crashes after the volcano, just in the plume itself from all the, the charged particles. And there was so much activity that it actually produced a gamma ray flash, which was the first time we've ever seen that from a volcano on Earth. And what does that, what does that do? It's just a super high energy uh, flash of radiation, basically, that we didn't think could be produced naturally from a volcanic cloud. So a satellite from space actually picked that one up. And more fun facts, the tsunami went all the way across the world. It even caused sea levels to rise by a foot in the Mediterranean Sea. 
a foot is quite a lot. That's well, like a third of a meter. Yeah. yeah, about a third of a meter. Alan wouldn't appreciate the imperial measurements. <laughs> Got a very strict policy here on Dear Science. Well, this is um, so how we can compare some imperial and just to prove how much better metric is. So you gotta you gotta bring it in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no metric metric only here, guys. So what have we found out more recently? I guess since the volcano largely fell out of the news cycle, I assume scientists have been doing their tests and everything. Yeah, so Niwa actually went up and did a lot of the investigations, and they mapped the seafloor to find that there were over 10 cubic kilometers of seafloor of, that disappeared. Wow. Wow. Disappeared how? Like, did it get displaced or did it turn into something else? It, well, some of it was in ash, some of it was in rock, but it basically, um, it's, it's no longer there. That's amazing. Disappearing seafloor. Yeah, it's gone. So are there other large underwater volcanoes that we should be concerned about? Absolutely. So this is, um, yeah, a bit of uh, a wake-up call that we need to actually be studying these underwater volcanoes a little bit closer than we are because uh, it's something that is very much currently understudied. And so, yeah, a big story with a, a big impact, uh, literally. And our takeaway, volcano insurance. Invest volcano now before it's too late. <laughs> By now, volcano insurance. <laughs> So what else, what, what were the other big stories of, uh, of last year in science? Right. Um, so that was, of course, a big uh, explosion of a story. But another big story, uh, instead of on an explosion, more fusion. In late December 2022, we have reached ignition. The first time more energy was recovered from fusion than it took to create it. So in the past, we've done nuclear fusion successfully, but it was it, like not worth it. Is that correct? It, it wasn't, uh, it was too much of an investment of energy to get a, a real return. Correct. So we have been able to uh, accomplish fusion, which fusion is basically where you're taking two um, atoms and smashing them together to create a new atom. And so this is the process that happens like in the middle of the sun. That's why the sun has all this heat and you can feel that radiation on a beautiful summer's day like today. Um, so what we're doing is we're harnessing the power of stars and we have been able to do that here in the laboratory, but um, it's costed too much energy to do it. It hasn't been inefficient. So this is the first time where they've actually crossed that threshold and now we're getting more energy than what we put in. So how does fusion differ from fission? Because I've heard both words. A really good question. So fission is actually the process of splitting an atom. So usually what's used is like uranium. We basically shoot a neutron on it, uh, it becomes unstable, and then it breaks apart into um, different atoms. So that's splitting the atom apart. Uh, the problem with that is that um, you're creating a lot of radioactive isotopes, some of which are long-lived. So there's a lot of, I guess, uh, nuclear waste. Um, and the fuel, of course, uranium is going to be limited. So there's some drawbacks. It does produce a lot of energy. Now, with fusion, what we're doing is we're actually taking isotopes of hydrogen, 
So hydrogen like H2O, you can find that in water. It's abundant. So we would have basically an endless supply of fuel to use it. And what we're doing is we're putting them together to produce helium, uh, which is also could be useful in, in industrial applications. So it's uh, uh, a much, much cleaner process if you want to think of it like that. Nice. So Fusion's finally decided to give back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, did it, ta- did it ever take away? <laughs> well, well, in terms of energy. <laughs> yeah. So does this have large implications for renewable or nuclear energy? So this is, this is still very much early days. This is like a proof of concept that it can be done. So like when the Wright brothers first um, had the first airplane flight, it, like it was a, it was a pretty much uh, uninventful flight. They got it up for like, you know, just a few meters or whatever, but like it was proof of concept that it can be done. So that is the point. This is why it's such a big deal. We have proved that it is possible. There's, we're still a long, long, long way before having a nuclear fusion power plant or anything like that. Well, that's but what people really thought the when the step. Wright brothers were flying, right? And what was it? Only a couple of decades. Um, it took until, that was in 1903. It took until 1958 before there was actually like a commercial airliner. So 50 years, we'll have commercial nuclear fusion. Okay, 2072. Perhaps. It's our year. We're going to get it. <laughs> Me and Casper are grinning like Cheshire cats. We're quite excited by new It's nice energy. to have exciting topics. Uh, Volcano is exciting in a different way, but an exciting topic where, you know, new, new things can be discovered, new things can be done. Mm. And speaking of new discoveries, what else happened in 2022? We are loving this recap. Yeah, this is good. Um, a lot of fun stories and an actual another massive uh, scientific event was the James Webb telescope was launched and finally operational in June 2022. Aren't those photos just beautiful? They make me want to cry. They're so pretty. It's yeah, it's 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 amazing because not only do we get beautiful pictures, but what those pictures mean are actually challenging what we thought we knew about the universe. So we've uh, we've been actually able to look back into the universe 14 billion years. So like when it just after it kind of the Big Bang, roughly in, in I guess, galactical time frame. And we found that um, some galaxies are actually forming a lot earlier than we thought. So about 330 million years after the Big Bang. So 330 million years, it seems like a long time, but the universe has been around for like roughly 14 billion. And our solar system, the sun, where is like 4.6 billion years old. So before the sun was ever a glimmer in its father's eye, we um, <laughs> were talking way back. Wow. So, so there's whole galaxies before us. And what, what allows us to look at these galaxies like so far back? Is it that we can see sharper images further away? That's a really good question as well. So it has to do with the type of telescope that we're dealing with. So you, I'm sure you've heard of the Hubble telescope. That's another space telescope that's only like 570 kilometers from Earth. 
James Webb is 1.5 million kilometers from Earth, so four times the distance from the Earth to the moon. Wow. And so, yeah. So the useful part is that it's using infrared radiation. So the Hubble telescope uses visible light, uh, but with infrared, what we're actually able to do is see stuff that we couldn't otherwise because uh, visible light often gets blocked by space dust, so it never actually makes it to us. And there's also this thing called red shifting. So the universe is constantly expanding, and so all these faraway galaxies are actually speeding away away from us. And when they do this, um, they're red shifted from the Doppler effect. So if you ever hear like a, a police siren coming towards you and then going away from you, it kind of has a different sound. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sound as it's going away from you is a little bit longer, and that's that red shift. So what that means is that a lot of the light that we would see gets shifted into the infrared. So that's why we need the infrared to see things that are that far away traveling that fast. And that's what this telescope is able to give us. That's amazing. <laughs> what's the what's the next development from here? Can we send out a, a bigger telescope further or can we sort of see everything that is available to be seen now? Well, this has been in development for, oh, I think it was conceived in like the 1980s and started to actually come together in the 1990s. And so that's how long it took to get to where we are now. And I mean, if we started to build a telescope now, we could use much better technology than what was originally planned. And so we could actually make this better and better. Um, but the images and the data we're getting right now are unlike anything we have ever seen before. And so across the astronomy spectrum, people are ecstatic, to say the least. <laughs> We've got some excited astronomers out there. <laughs> It is yeah, it's their time to shine. It is a very, very cool telescope, and it is very far away, and it can see a lot of stuff. Definitely got big stories. Yes. We've got a big theme here. <laughs> it's huge. It's big, and who knows what we're going to see in 2023. Will it be equally as big? I hope so. Or are we going microscopic this year? Is it trendy to be <laughs> microscopic again? Smallest volcano ever. <laughs> the size of an anthill. That would be quite exciting. <laughs> there's there's a lot of potential, yeah. <laughs> ah. Well, thank you very much, thank Joel, for joining so us much. this week. Fantastic yep, stories. 23, party on. Well, I didn't know that before. Dear Science, thanks to MOTAT, the museum inspiring the innovators of tomorrow.